Would you please join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, thank you so much for all the good things that are going on um, here that, that we can get involved with that not only helps us learn who you are more, but it helps us grow. And it gives us an opportunity to invite um, folks that we just love dearly, that we want to bring into the church so that they can know you too. And so we thank you for all of that. We thank you for um, our message today and just each person here, um, the blessing that they are to us, and I pray that we can bless them as well. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hello, sir. Hello. Ooh, here's your My Bible. mic works. Your mic, your mic yep. works. Just want to point that out. Yes. You got your tall on. I do. You got tall on. I got tall today. Yeah. All right. So? Questions? This is a joy that we have as a church because the ability to ask God questions, to look in the Bible and look for answers or to, to even be in a, in a study group and ask questions, that's a huge deal. I know uh, when I was first starting out in my Christian life, I didn't have anyone to ask questions to. And so whenever I meet with someone who might be interested in seeking Christ, I say, you write down your questions and you come back and we'll talk about them. So a couple times a year, we do what we're doing today. We have a service called Ask It. And you're the, you're the providers of the questions. This text number that's here, yes, you can pull your phone out and text. If anyone sees someone else playing free cell, just raise your hand, call them out. And, or text in who it is and tell them to knock it off. Uh, but if you have questions as we go along, please bring them up. And, and the hope is, the prayer is, that there may be just that question that someone has put in that's going to help someone else. So uh, this, the number's up. Go for it. We're going to do our best. Uh, so we'll, we'll have fun with this, I hope. Yeah, we always have fun. You ask some really hard questions, too. So that's really? always... Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Okay. So we got a new question in. What did I do with it? <laughs> okay. Here we go. That's another question. All right. So the question comes in. It says, Jesus warns of the end times in Matthew 24, Mark 13, and Luke 21. Why did Jesus say, I tell you the truth, this generation will not pass from the scene until all these things take place? Did he really mean this age or this nation, as suggested by the study Bible? The question specifically is, who is this generation? Who is he talking to? Good question. Let's go on for that. <laughs> uh, there are several biblical answers to that. One of them is that this generation will not pass away immediately after that in the Matthew rendition of that in the Luke he immediately goes to the Mount of Transfiguration takes his disciples up they see him transformed into the image of God or excuse me into his supernatural body and uh, that is a revelation God speaks at that some people say okay that checks that box but also uh, another answer to that one that I'm more comfortable with is it talks about in Matthew 24 and I just finished the the mark uh, Olivet. It's called the Olivet Discourse because it was a talk given on the Mount of Olives where he describes the end times events that are going to take place. And then at the end of that, then he says, this generation will not pass away. I believe those who see those events take place will not pass away until they take place. Two, two totally different answers, but both of them come to the point that those events have taken place and are taking place in our time 
And this generation is still here. So there will be a generation that is the last generation that will see those events take place and see Christ come back and set up his kingdom here on earth. And there's no, there's no specific definitive answer to that other than be ready. Be ready. Um, and by the way, if you please read Matthew 24 and, and the Mark versions of the Olivet Discourse, it describes the world, describes our times very explicitly. We're just, we're doing, I have a revelation class, an end time study class, and those, those events are all around us even as we speak. I could go off on that and give my Sunday school lesson, but I won't. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, this is going to go back to Old Testament. Um, it says in Leviticus eleven forty six through 47, and we will check that, is it talks about clean and unclean with regards to eating and touching animals and bugs. Can you tell me what unclean means? I was, I'm just reading. <laughs> <laughs> Again, when God established the kingdom of Israel, he set them as a people apart. He gave them certain boundaries that would set them as holy people. And so certain animals were declared clean. Certain things were declared unclean at that particular time. And they were to observe those commandments as in honor of him and as a representation to the nations that are around him looking in, saying, and again, everything that he did is establishing the law, all of these things. Nations are looking in. They're in the middle of paganism. They're in the middle of uh, immorality and uh, child sacrifices and all that ugly stuff. And so God establishes a nation of holy people seeking to be holy and to show holiness, not only their relationship with God, but in their day-to-day life. And so... Uh, the, those commands were to separate them. Now, new command comes, Jesus says that these things are all made clean. The, the, the different uh, opportunities to be able to eat uh, animals. Uh, beef is really big. He allowed that, but remember that. Uh, but so all those laws were fulfilled in Christ. So we're holy and separate. As people look at this group, any Christian in here, as the outside world looks at us, we should be, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, we should be representing Christ in our holiness. We are separated. We are set apart in Christ by our behaviors, our attitudes, and all of those. So the food laws, Jesus said he fulfilled them. All food is pronounced clean, even the candy next Friday. Yeah, okay, got yes. that. That's especially clean. Yeah, especially. Because <laughs> sugar kills anything that's in it. Never mind. Yeah, uh, yeah kind of, <sighs> kind of. But how much does, okay, so there was the, the clean that helped, you know, people separated themselves as, yep. you know, be holy for I am holy. But if you'll notice a lot of the things that were deemed unclean were, think, were food laws that actually had health benefits yep. to avoiding them. Yep. So a lot of the things we were to avoid was like, lobster, <laughs> shrimp, um, things that were higher in cholesterol. They were bottom feeders. Yeah. They were, so how much do you think that kind of plays a part? Well, the one, the one big one back in the day was, uh, was pork mm -hmm. uh, because of the trichinosis right. that would get into it. The worms that would get into it would spread to people and actually kill off a bunch of people. So 
he, he did that for pork. And oh, by the way, an awful lot of the sanitation laws that came from those were rediscovered in 1850s with Pasteur as he was talking about how bug spread and sanitation in our hospitals today really have a biblical foundation from the beginning of not touching dead people mm -hmm. and, and doing all this other stuff. And I don't know if that helped. Yeah, no, that's good. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, okay, so this is a question of Jesus's first miracle. The question is, was the wine at Cana, that was Jesus' first miracle, was it real wine or fruit juice? Oh, it was real wine. <laughs> okay. It was real wine. It was the good stuff, too. Because, <laughs> because when he, oh, by the way, I could, just, I could really go off on this story, but he had these big pots, and he, it, he, they went and drew out, and they drew out wine out of these pots that were filled with water prior to that. A miracle had taken place and it was transformed. And it was near the end of the party, so the guy that was responsible for serving wine to anyone went to these pots, took it and tasted it, because he was the taster. And he said, man, this is the good stuff. Normally you wait till everyone gets drunk, and then you bring out the bad stuff. They brought out the best stuff at the end. But remember that, that, that alcohol is, is throughout the scripture, and you've, m many of you have heard my story on this. When I was investigating Christianity because of my addiction to alcohol, I have a New Testament, if anyone wants to borrow it, that highlights every verse that has to do with alcohol that told me it was okay to drink after I became a Christian. Uh, so if you're interested in that, you can have it, because I don't drink and haven't for 40-some years, uh, because it doesn't fit my lifestyle. But th there's many verses in it. Now, drunkard, drunkenness, out of control, all of those things strictly banned. But alcohol back in the day was used, they would mix water with the wine, and that would kill and purify what it was then before that unpure water. So there was the mixing of that in there at that particular time also. So it was real wine, it was alcoholic, uh, but it never was alcohol allowed. A drunkard and all those things were, were not allowed Old Testament and New Testament. And 2019, Ridgecrest. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, I, and it's just neat that whatever Jesus did, he did in excellence. Yeah. So even the wine was amazing. One minute side note. When the, the dam was being built in Arizona, they had to transport electricity. And just, just a little bit of trivia. And uh, they kept, they knew it was going to be a high voltage. They didn't know how, what to put up there. For the lines, you know, you look up now and you see the lines with those little insulators up there. They couldn't find the right material. They kept blowing up. This long story, but they ended up with the, the engineer in charge of that project giving his team a, uh, a Christmas holiday. And their General Electric is screaming at him, why did you let your people go with this critical time? We need them here to find that. He felt God told him to do that. So when they came back, just a little note, they they kept looking, and, and this guy said, I know the answers here. One of the guys had gone to Egypt and got one of those water pots and had smuggled it back to the United States illegally. And he says, really? They analyzed that pot that would have taken all the power of the transforming of wine or water into wine, and uh, that became the original insulators and the material for it. Just a little trivia for wine transfer the for anyone who grape juice care, and copper yeah that so thank you yes yeah yes us trivia nerds just yeah. really got happy <laughs> okay <laughs> nice 
All right, so our next question says, if a person passed away before knowing of God, are they in heaven since they didn't know of him? Like people who would be raised by atheists. Um, yeah. Uh, or maybe depends. in a country. Because there's no one that lives that doesn't know about God. No one dies that doesn't know about God. Revelation, or excuse me, Romans 1 will say that God makes himself evident to every person. Through creation, he reveals his divine attributes and his, divi- his eternal power and his divine nature. So God reveals himself to everyone. He says so they are without excuse. God reveals himself in the creation to every person. That's why 32 known cultures all have a God story. All have a recognition and an acknowledgement of a supernatural being and life after death. It's born into us. Uh, Ecclesiastics will say that uh, eternity is hidden in our heart. Kids don't have trouble with the God, the God thing. Also, Romans 2 will tell you that every person will be evaluated by his heart and following his conscience, con with science knowledge. We have an inherent knowledge of right and wrong inside of our hearts. And that's, he says, and on that day, I will judge them by the way they responded to that revealed truth. So no one, no one goes uh, out of this earth without knowing there's a God and without knowing what is right and wrong and having made the choice to either honor that God or reject that God or to follow what they know is true and right in their hearts or to reject that. All right. So it's, mm, we're, we are held accountable for what we know. And we know. And we know. And we know. Okay. That we know. That we know. All right. And yeah, he knows know. what we know. So. Yeah, he knows that. <laughs> All right. Did you know that? I, mm-hmm. I try. <laughs> okay. Our next one says, why doesn't God perform miracles like he did in the Bible? Well, he is. Okay. Is you, you can, we had a question of miracles last night. God's still doing miracles. He's still in the same business. He still heals. He still reveals knowledge. He still works through his people. He still casts out demons. He still does all of the things he did in the Old Testament. Uh, if you look, and we'll do this again, the third world countries, particularly where Christians are under persecution, Supernatural healings are taking place. People are coming back from the dead. Resurrections are taking place. All those supernatural signs that you would expect a supernatural God to do, is still, he's still doing them. Uh, in our country, they're still happening. We showed a, a video clip a couple of weeks ago about a, a woman who was instantly healed uh, of, a, of a life-crippling disease uh, that she had, it, how she just immediately stood up. The case for miracles is on your Online, go look up The Case for Miracles. Uh, Lee Strobel writes the book. It's a great book. We have the videos that are on there. It's online. Yes, YouTube has good God stuff. Type in Case for Miracles and Lee Strobel, and you're going to get a great video for about 45 minutes. It shows and talks about the miracles that are taking place in our world today. They are happening. Now, when a nation has turned from God such as ours, the, the power of God, the energy of God, the reality of God is not there. Um, so 
There, there are miracles happening. So don't, they're still happening. People are healed at crossroads all the time and supernaturally. Um, but, yeah. Okay. Um, oh, hang on. Okay, so here's... Uh, this is just kind of, this is a neat question actually and probably more asked than we realize is it offensive if someone writes the word God Jesus or Lord but in the lowercase so what's the difference between the lowercase and the capitalization of deity in thanks actually <laughs> you, you Again, can I'm look at reading. various translations that we have a valid biblical translations some of the committees have chosen to capitalize anything that refers to deity and others haven't so that's just a decision they make inside of themselves as far as lord is concerned i always capitalize anytime i i run across it when i'm typing i always t go back m correct my mistake and make it capital whatever it's there just as a, a a statement of reverence to it but it isn't a biblical issue you know lightning is not going to come screaming out and smoke your computer if you if you don't put a capital letter at the beginning of that if it's a capital letter in your heart and you understand what she's saying is when the, the words that refer to deity the to even the Holy Spirit, the H and the S, the Lord is L, Messiah is M, all of these things, Jesus, Jesus Christ is capitalized. Those are signs of honor. Normally, because it's a formal name with Jesus Christ, they would be capitalized. But uh, it, as you look in your various translations, you're going to see different decisions made by the translating committees. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, and it's helpful when you're reading when they are capitalized to yeah. understand who they're speaking of as well because there's certain verses that use different words um, like seed when it's referring to Christ it'll be yeah. capitalized which helps us to know yeah. that they're talking about Jesus and yeah. not you know <laughs> someone else yeah. so, and him sometimes and the him. Pr pronouns are stuck in there and it, some translations will capitalize if you go oh they're talking about him him <laughs> the Whoa. him that him okay all right, that was helpful. So, all right, our next question says, okay, so this is about holidays. Can, can Christians celebrate certain holidays despite some having pagan traditions connected to them? Well, we do it every year. Well, excuse me, what's on the patio again? <laughs> is there any confusion that pumpkins may not come from heaven? That they may have a little satanic background to them? Uh, now that doesn't. <laughs> okay, so I just blew I, up the pumpkin patch for you, mission uh... team. Sorry about that, Ruth. Uh, <laughs> but Easter is 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 the, the word actually comes from the, from the the false goddess Esther, uh, who was a pagan god who was with fertility, and that's why you got bunnies hopping all over the place and things like that. Uh, that's the, that's a that's a word a pagan word taken and uh, a used it for Easter. You know, a lot of the Christian traditions, whether it's the tree or the Yule log, Yule means infant, and was burned in, in Germany where it came from as, as a symbol of just this. Uh, and there's the, I could go on and on about the pagan traditions that we have brought into our culture. Does that mean I don't celebrate Christmas or uh, have, would have a Christmas tree if anyone would come visit, which they don't? Uh, <laughs> What do I do to my kids? They, uh, but uh, we celebrate Easter. I eat chocolate on Easter. 
But I remember what it's really about. It's about Christ and celebrating Him. And by the way, we do services. We do the pumpkin patch. The pumpkin patch, we're talking about raising money in it. That's true. But also buses from all over the school district will come to Crossroads and kids will come and have an excellent experience of crafts and games and snacky poos and sugar, all that stuff. And they're going to drive away from here saying, well, you know, churches aren't that bad. And maybe they'll come back and give their life to Christ at some point because just that little bit of influence was there. So, uh, yes, there's pagan holidays that are incorporated. A lot of the traditions are incorporated. But that doesn't take away from Christ being Lord of all. Okay. So, okay. So, <laughs> well, I mean, it's because th this is kind of, I, I, it's not a new, it's not a new conversation, but this is becoming a lot more, uh, I think, up front nowadays where a lot of people are kind of drawing a line in the sand almost to the degree of it's, it's for some, they're almost making it a salvation issue. Yep. And so what we're, clear, what we're saying then is that it's not a salvation issue. If you're, worship, if you're worshiping the bunny, you got an issue. Yes. Yeah. If, if you're worshiping the Christ, then that's okay. Okay. All righty. Um, let's see. This next question says, okay, we're back in the Old Testament again. Okay, Adam and Eve. So God told Adam and Eve not to eat the fruit from the tree of knowledge. The first record of temptation. Why would God do that? Okay, the, again, first <laughs> off, you go back to the whole, the whole deal with God. Uh, from the beginning, before he said anything, before anything in the physical reality was even created or anything, to, nothing existed, speaking out of the spiritual world, God said, let there be. And when God said, let there be, he created everything that we see around us. But with that also came a plan. If in Ephesians uh, 1.4, it, it talks about God's plan. His plan is to adopt us into his family. His plan is to show his love to us. His plan is to build a family for all eternity. A, a group of people who are humble, a group of people who are unselfish, and it is absolutely, can you kick on a couple of more of those? Maybe even, I don't know if you've got to start at, yeah, three, it goes on. Yeah, oh, yeah, I'm having it. You know, I just speak. <laughs> and Bill said, let Even before be. he made the world, God loved us and chose us. <laughs> In Christ to be holy without fault in his eyes, he decided in advance to divide us, you know, to adopt us into his family, bring us to himself through Christ Jesus. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. See the point through Christ Jesus. You see, we are without sin at the beginning. If we didn't have sin in the world, we would never be humbled. We'd be building our towers of Babel. We'd be doing all that stuff. Sinners, brokenhearted, fall in love with the God that died for them, and we become, the expression is heaven ready, humble, thankful, joyful, uh, loving the God that, that saved us, and loving those that are around us, 
Evil is part of God's plan. He created Satan. He knew he would fall as a fallen angel. He knew all the destruction and damage that we see around us that is mind-boggling. But out of it, he takes all of our free will choices, our sins, mistakes, and failures, and he is building a perfect body of Christ that will live for eternity in the new heaven and in the new earth. It's beyond anything that we can grasp or understand. The apple was needed. Now, Eve's part in that is another discussion that we'll just totally leave out. Really? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're not going to let that one go? No. We're going to talk about Eve. We're going to talk about Adam. <laughs> yeah. I'm, oh, my I'm goodness. With you. Oh, that's but, good but stuff. But again, that, it's got, we can't understand. His ways are so much higher than our ways. His, it's unthinkable. It's un, 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 we can't understand or grasp the magnitude of his plan to bring beauty out of ashes, to bring out of our sin to bring holiness for eternity. Um, anyway. And again, one of the things in that verse, he knew Christ, he knew the sacrifice that was coming to make it possible to live through the sin of the apple that we've all eaten. Yeah. Well, for me, it kind of helps um, if we have the ability to put it on the, in terms of being a parent. You know, when, when parents decide to have a family, when adults decide to have a family, we know we're not bringing them into a perfect world. But we hopefully will have a plan to help them navigate the world, um, obviously for us, hopefully through knowing Christ. But it's, you know, I realize, I realize the differences there, but we don't not have children simply because we know they're coming into a lost and broken world. We have a plan for them to successfully navigate and that kind of just helps me in understanding God's role because God is our parent I mean if we look at it from that perspective to me it helps bring better understanding of how God sees us and how he works with us um, so it's just kind of fun and a, a plug that needs to be given is that there's a parenting class just started this <laughs> week upstairs at the nine o'clock hour if anyone wants to go up and, and, and help and learn some some parenting tips uh, nine o'clock upstairs. Overwhelm them, please. Please, it's excellent material. It's called yeah. um, "Effective Parenting in a Defective World." Yeah. I think we can all get on board with that one. So, yep. okay, nine a.m. on Sundays. Yes, ma'am. Okay, our next one says, "How do we navigate through the different translations or versions of the Bible and choose one to use? Is it wrong to use certain translations?" Yes. There are some we shouldn't use. There's New World Translation, which is one that the Jehovah Witnesses changed all the meaning in and uh, to, to fit their theology, so stay away from that one. Most of them uh, are excellent translations. We have multiple. We, we had a whole message on tra Bible translations that are available. Uh, the, anywhere, the King James, New King James, New American Standard, uh, New International Version, uh, the uh, ESV is one I'm using, English Standard Version right now. Uh, look at the beginning of the book, see who puts it out, the Bibles that are put out. And you, if you look at the actual group that paid for it, uh, and, and you can get some guidance on that. But stand, you know, again, it's easy to go to Google, 
and say review of, put in your translation, and it'll show you. But if you go to a reputable Bible bookstore, everything on the shelf, you go in there and just start reading what you're comfortable with. You know, I, I, I started out with a, a, a paraphrase, for Pete's sake, uh, which is not a translation. It's just what feels good. And I, I read that for a while. And then I went to this, and then I went to New American Standard, which is really uh, fragmented and word-directed. Word uh, so I've read every new translation, basically, almost that came out uh, when it comes out, the new ones, the good ones. And I read the study Bibles with it. encourage you to do that. If you need any guidance or help, uh, come in and talk. I'll even buy you one if you want a good one. So... As a matter of yeah. fact, the one in the back is the NLT, New Living Translation. They're free. We give away hundreds of them every year. If you don't have a good reading Bible, dig in. Yeah, that helps because, I mean, I, a lot of you probably remember when we only had King James Version. And I went to a Christian school, and so in our Bible class, we had to have our Bible, which is King James Version. Who could understand any of it? So, I mean, so King when... James. Well, King James did. Yeah. Yeah, you know, the thou. But uh, <laughs> I remember when the way came out. That yeah. it, it looked like a hippie Bible. It was hilarious. But I mean, that, but that it, was the living Bible. Yeah, I mean, it, it opened up everything. The the ability to understand. So yeah, the ones that we have in the back. It was it was life changing for me. So um, I encourage you guys to do that. But that's fun. Okay. Uh, speaking of fun, hmm, we have fifteen minutes. Are you ready? <laughs> Here comes the dump truck. <laughs> Go ahead. No. This is actually, you know, it's a legitimate, it's a fun question. Okay. Um, so the question is, well, there's actually two questions in here, kind of. One has to do with Nephilim, the Nephilim. I know. Don't give me that look. So we have to kind of explain the Nephilim, but then it's now related to any connection between the Nephilim and UFO sightings? Or is it possible that there... Don't look at me like that. <laughs> I'm just reading the question. But talk about that, though, because we've talked about, you know, because there's people who, who claim to have UFO sightings. I mean, and I'm even going to bring in um, when people have had seances and, you know, Aunt Bessie comes back and talks to them or... You know, certain things like that, when we're talking about paranormal, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to include UFO stuff, how that actually works. And, and then we can talk about the Nephilim, too, because I'd like to know as well. <laughs> Most people probably just, when you heard the word Nephilim, you went, huh? Right. Uh, right. In, in the Old Testament, the Nephilim, again, and, and there's multiple opportunities or potentials. It talks about, this, this one verse talks about the, when, the, when the sons of God came down and had sex with the, with the women here on earth, they produced a super race of Nephilims, uh, super beings that were there. Some people talk about the Nephilims were represented in the giants that were being killed by the people of Israel that ruled and uh, walked around the earth. This, uh, but there's just a lot of uh, discussion on that. And, and I, I believe that, personally... Read the background. My thing is that the, 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 the teaching that it is angels that came down and had sex with women, I think that's out the window because Jesus said there's no sex in heaven. 
says, you misunderstand the whole thing when he was talking to the people at that time. When you're in heaven, you're not given to those desires or anything. So uh, we can mark that out. But they were just, they were a large, they were a factor in the world at that particular time. These supernatural beings, because of their size, and you talk about them, they're, they're hunking 10 feet high, uh, giants walking around at that time. Uh, and it was not the NBA, just saying, uh, at the time. But, so there was a group of people. What's the explanation is? I have no idea. But what I, when we do start talking about UFOs and we start talking about you know, extraterrestrial, E.T. visiting us and all that other stuff, uh, God can do what he wants, okay? If God wanted to create life external to this world, he would have. Uh, give no indication of it inside the Bible. Nothing would, would open that particular door uh, for us. Now, what it does say, though, if, if, if there is any creation that's got eternal potential, it has to come through Christ. It's only Christ that can pay for sin, remove sin. And if, if there are UFOs, if E.T. is walking around, he's a sinner rat dog, and he needs Christ. So if you run into one, tell him about Christ, please, while you're here. Uh, but, but as far as uh, UFOs, and there's just a lot of things. I, don't, I chased the USO one, a UFO once. It was the most weird thing. I was flying a helicopter uh, out on the East Coast, and I saw a UFO, and I started chasing it, and I felt weird. I called the tower. Tower, has anyone else reported this? And uh, anything strange? And they go, no. And so I kept chasing it, and then I, you know, it was way out there. It turned out to be a rocket launch going out in Florida. Mm. That, that was a UFO. And, and I'll, you'll see it, by the way, if you look over sometimes at Vandenberg. When they launch a rocket, it's this big white, you know, anyway. Uh, I have no explanation. I'm not going to go hang out at Area 51 where all the stuff is over there. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I know the impossibility of life starting accidentally here is astronomical. We know there was a creator. So if there's life somewhere else, it was a, it was a creation by God. I don't believe there was or is. Uh, but that's just me. You're, you're on your own. But remember, Christ is the only answer one way or the other. I don't know if that helps. But the Nephilim, that's, again, eh. Some people get so wrapped around the axle with some of these weird nits and nits and little teeny things. Could it be? What about this? What about that? Just love God and Christ and go out and serve him. Uh, it's interesting. I read the stuff, but then I go, well, okay, let's go serve Christ. I don't know if that helped. Okay. Um, I wanna... If you ever meet a Nephilim, bring him in. <laughs> I want to tell him about Christ. <laughs> um, <laughs> first time I'll see you go, now look here. <laughs> <laughs> Get out on your knees. I want to talk to you. <laughs> oh, my goodness, right? Um, okay, so, but I, I kind of want to, I still want to kind of pull this back into, though, because there's, there's UFO sightings, and I don't necessarily want to belabor this too much, but 
it does bring up for me, um, there's UFO sightings, which I know a lot of people can explain by rockets or now we know was the stealth, you know, bomber way back then. Um, but what about when people say that they have have had experiences of like alien abduction? And let me and let me just drag this out again. Is that I'm like, bringing Aunt Bessie back into this are you? I am at the seance. Okay, I am. Go ahead. Please. I am because. Because I liken that into a paranormal yeah. experience. And, you know, yeah. and it's not that these things, I don't know, I'm not going to say that alien abduction really happens. That's just my personal opinion, but <laughs> my personal opinion. Um, but when people do have things yeah. like seances and stuff, they do hear things. They do see things. And there is an explanation for it, but we need to know what the explanation is. Yeah. Yeah. Somebody just, yeah. Someone just blew my stuff. I know. Man. Satanic. There are two spiritual forces, and, and so many of the paranormal and the, uh, the occultic uh, things that take place out there have a spiritual foundation and basis. Uh, so many times when, when someone will be talking about things that happened 200 years ago, they had no way of knowing. They were never there. Their family wasn't there. Satan was. And so he can't tell the future, but he can sure tell everything that happened in the past to get people's attention. Remember in the Bible when uh, King Saul uh, went to the, Endor, the witch of Endora, whatever that was, and called up the dead, and, and uh, Samuel. Samuel shows up and starts talking. There's stuff that goes on that are beyond our understanding. But again, walk in, if we walk into the weird world, we better have our Jesus on. We better have the Holy Spirit walking inside of us and guiding us and protecting us with the full armor of God's protection around us as we go forward into that world. If you go into the world where you're ministering in areas where, where demonology and Satan worship and all that stuff there, you better have your act together because there are spiritual forces at work. If we don't have Jesus, we become the lamb at the uh, supper. And again, well, those things about the, about the seances, there are spiritual powers, the Ouija boards and all that. We have thrown ourselves as a nation wide open to it with, you know, again, everyone today is so paranormal, living dead, all that kind of stuff is all around us on the television. Our kids are indoctrinated. You can be a wizard and uh, control different things. You can be a, uh, whatever that other show is where the, it's kind of wheelchair that, X-Men. Mm. X-Men, you can look at these supernatural things that are taking place. We're surrounded by opportunities uh, to look into a weird world. So, mm -hmm. anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, for me, it was just, it, it's important because we, I think as a nation, especially, we've become so desensitized because there's so much of it out there. Yeah. People don't look at it as real or important, and things are happening in their lives, and they're ignoring it. Yep. Um, and it, it's just a huge, it's a huge subject. So, okay, thank you. Um, the next one's kind of a huge subject too. <laughs> fun. This is fun. We should do this more. Um, you guys give good questions. <laughs> okay. It so, is fun, so this may, this is, mm, all right. Did God create the big bang or did he just work through it? Right. Well, Big Bang. Yeah, you love that question. Okay, here's the deal. Uh, very, very simply, the, what the Big Bang 
is that there was a big bang and everything that is came from nothing. Do I have to explain that's not possible? You, you, you can't make something from nothing. Now, they come up with dark matter. They come up with these concentrated things. They come up with all sorts of theories. But everything that talks about evolution consistently violates every known physical law. Evolution is a, is a fairy tale to avoid God. It is scientifically disproven at every level. You cannot make something out of nothing. You got to have something. The evolutionist says, well, all this dirt was there, and then out of it came goo man. But then the, the creationist says, well, where'd you get my dirt? They talk about energy. Energy can't be created. It can change form, but it cannot be created. Life itself, we proved biogenesis is totally impossible. And, and then if you go back to the, the first living cell, which is impossible because there's billions of bits of DNA energy and parts have to line up. None of them internal. They all have to come. From, it's impossible. And then you see this one cell turn into a bacteria. Then it turns into this. It turns into a worm. It turns into a plant. And all of a sudden, you got me. I'm saying. But that's, it's, it's, it's a, and again, quote after quote, they know, they look, and this, well, I forget who the one was just instructing his scientists that he was teaching, says, now you study this, but when you see signs of design, just ignore it. The, the design that's proven in, in our DNA, DNA just blows uh, everything out of the water. DNA, they've traced it back to one couple. Everyone in this earth, we're all brothers and sisters. And, and that one couple lived a couple, several thousand years ago, and I know their name. It's Adam. <laughs> and it's Eve. So anyway, that, that yeah. Uh, okay. I even forget what the question was about. Oh, the so, Big Bang. The Big Bang. Uh, <laughs> well... <laughs> Is it possible, so actually um, Perry and I were listening to, I can't remember who they were talking about this, and the thought occurred to me, is it possible, I mean, because God, you know, like you said before, God can do what God wants to do, and how he chose to do this, we won't, I don't know, we don't, maybe we won't, obviously won't know until we get to heaven, but is it possible if there is evidence of some sort of an explosive type event, you know, the, the expansion and contraction yes. of the universe, so we know that there's evidence of something. Yes. Is it possible then, rather than where people are looking at, well, God caused the Big Bang for the purpose of creation, is it potentially to think that maybe because God spoke the world into existence, that his very word yes. was explosive. Yes, it was and did. And so... No, you're right. Okay. Ooh. You heard it. Yes! <laughs> ah, now we can have a nice restful weekend. <laughs> oh, oh, thank you. Thanks, Barbie. <laughs> Um, no, I was just, yeah, I yeah. mean, it only took me. No, I mean, the only, by the way, seeing everything we see in the evolutionary chain is supernatural. 
In other words, it's impossible without a supernatural interaction. Obviously, even the creation of the first uh, whatever was a supernatural act commanded by God. Cool. I think it's amazing that God is that powerful. I mean, just his word would... Yeah, again, one of the big things we always say this, and it's it's true. If our God isn't that big, trade up. <laughs> Upgrade. <laughs> Supersize yeah. your God. So right. Supernaturally size your God. That's even better. Okay, one more. Do we have time for one more? Okay. They're not leaving. Okay, <laughs> let me look. Um, well, look at them go now. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. Okay, so let, let's end with one that, that we can walk out practical application here, too. Um, we actually, we asked this last night, too, but I think, you know, it's something that we all go through. Um, how do we count it all joy when we encounter various trials because they are often unpleasant? Aren't they James always two, unpleasant? James, <laughs> or James chapter 1, verse 2, first like five verses in that it talks about this verse, consider it all joy when you encounter various trials and tests and temptations inside of your life. Consider it joy when things go wrong, when, when, uh, even when injury, insult, all these things come upon us. We are still to consider it all joy. Uh, dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind, and that can be a bad diagnosis, that can be an accident, that can be anything of any kind come our way, consider it an oppor opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow, so let it grow. When your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect, complete, and lacking in nothing. The, the, the need... For human beings to grow requires, unfortunately, pain. How many people come to Christ out of the pain of an addiction, the pain of a divorce, the pain of different things inside of our lives? Pain draws us to God. And so pain happens. Pain in, in marriage, personal relationships, causes my growth. When I offend somebody and I'm pained because of the result of that, I repent and I grow. I said this last night. There's only one example in the Bible that I know of, help me, where it says someone learned without pain. In Proverbs, a farmer looks over the field, the fence into the next field, and he sees that guy not taking care of his field. And so he's hungry at harvest time. And, and the guy says, oh, I watched and I learned. That's the only example I know. Everything else is pain. So I, that's why I try to be a pain to everyone around me <laughs> to, to help you grow. But how, I'm succeeding. I can see that. But again, how many people do you know when you hit something bad in your life, you turn to Christ? You look up. And again, the result is we grow. We become perfect, complete, lacking nothing in Christ. We be done. We be done. Yeah. And remember, all, God pronounced all food clean, including donuts and cookies mm -hmm. that are sitting in the back. Mm -hmm. Lord, thank you for being God. Thank you for your word, which is a lamp unto our feet that guides us, that comforts us, that encourages us. 
Lord, thank you that you're available to each person here. Your heart is open to us. Thank you that by your spirit you reach out and are knocking on our hearts and our minds and our souls that we might come to know you. We thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.